Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Most magnificent, glorifying truths concerning your eternal security and mine and i'm going to try to do my best to give you what god has to say concerning that powerful truth romans 8 verses 35 till 39 it's just you could just read it over and over you don't even have to preach it it's that it's that good because it preaches to you as you read it and in romans 8 Uh, Actually, through the entire book of Romans, it's a long legal document. It started in Romans 1.1, and we know how it went. It describes man's sin, man's rebellion against God. And throughout all the book of Romans, we learn that sin equals death, but grace equals righteousness. Praise the Lord. We learn that sin equals condemnation, but grace equals justification. We've learned that sin equals shame and separation, but grace equals reconciliation. These are great truths through Romans. We learn that sin equals judgment and God as your judge, but grace equals God who you can come to as Abba Father. It's a beautiful book, and we see it play out as this legal document And we experience through Romans how justification completely triumphs over condemnation. We know we preach this verse when we are out in the street or when we're witnessing one-on-one. He that believeth not is condemned already, right? But we get to Romans 8 and it's now, now there is no condemnation. We go from condemned as God's enemy to now there is absolutely no way that you or I as believers can fall under any condemnation because there is therefore now no condemnation for us that are in Christ. Now, that's a beautiful truth. You can just park on that and meditate on that for a few hours. We sing songs, uh, you know, our sanctification, our, our justification Uh, Also leads to, we saw through Romans, our sanctification. We're going to be fully sanctified and have a glorified body one day, praise the Lord. And we sing victory in Jesus. Loud with praise and joy in our heart to the Lord, and we should. But we have to understand, and what I would like to pull out this morning is something that we must get. It's not just our victory in Jesus because he paid our sin debt on the cross. I mean, that's glorious. We should sing it. But what Romans 8, the end of it is bringing out is, it's not that is not the only slice of the pie of the victory. The victory in Jesus is also and cannot be It cannot be separated from the fact that there is no separation from you and and from me. There's no separation from us, from God. The victory is the inseparability 
of us as believers to Jesus Christ. It's impossible. I know I said this either last Sunday or the Sunday before somebody ever says, you know, yo, you just go to hell. I can't. I can't. That's part of the victory in Jesus. It's not just what he did on the cross. It's not just that he rose from the dead. It is both of those things. And there is no separation and there is no condemnation. Victory in Jesus. So sing that with, we should sing that with on our hearts as well. And so this question is opposed now in Romans chapter 8, verse 35. This question, we know the answer is no to all of these questions, but verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing is the short and sweet answer. But the question opposes the fact, well, how long can God's love really last? And if we're not careful, we measure it based on human love. We see relationships get ruined because of lack of love. We see marriages are ruined because of lack of love. We see parents and children. Uh, there's a disconnect or a separation. Why? Because of lack of love. So it would be natural for us, even as believers, to, to ask the question, well, I mean, how, how long can God's love really last? And the answer is, it never ends. You can't separate God's love from you. Now, we might wake up tomorrow and not love God as much as we ought to. But that, that's not true for God. And that's something we're going to glory in this morning. You are not saved yesterday from past sins. And now, well, your future sins and your, uh, your present sins and your future sins. Well, now that might be a different deal. That's not the case. You are inseparable from God's love. You can't lose it tomorrow because of tomorrow's sins. Because legally, God brought you and I a pardon. This pardon was signed by God in his high heavenly court, and it cannot be changed. In other words, you and I as believers, we are legally free. We have been pardoned. And that's the glory of Romans 8. And your case will never, ever, ever be dragged into court again. Praise God. There might be some old arguments that might be dragged back into a relationship. For one reason or another. And just because that's the way it goes in human relationships and in human business and in human church life and in human family life, that cannot be put in the compartment of God's inseparable love and his legal pardon that he granted to us. God is not going to bring your case up again. And when you see him in heaven, he's not bringing up your case. There's going to be a judgment for us, and it has absolutely nothing to do with our sins. It will have everything to do with our work and our life for him down here and the rewards we will either receive or not receive. But your case will not be dragged before God ever again. 
So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And these last few verses of Romans are split into two forces. On one hand, you have natural forces. And so they're brought up. Well, can that happen? And on the other hand, there will be supernatural forces. We will look at both of those this morning. Both are powerful elements. And the answer, look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Look at verse 37. The answer is clear. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In other words, the, the answer to all of this is no, nothing natural or supernatural forces can separate you. When you see that word who, what comes to mind almost initially, would that be Satan, the accuser of the brethren? He wants you to think that. Satan, your flesh, or any other human enemy here on earth. None of those enemies, no, no who, can bring one saint away from the separate, uh, can separate one saint from God. It's, in, it's impossible and will, and it will not happen. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's look at some Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. We talked about election in a few different lessons in the past. And here we are in verse number 4 in 1 Thessalonians 1. It says, knowing brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake and ye became followers of us and of the lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the holy ghost and we preached and taught on that and then it says so that ye were unsamples to all that believe in macedonia and Achaia. This example of being followers is connected to the power that's wrought in the Holy Ghost that will bring you what the gospel says it will bring you in verse number five, and that's much assurance. You can be assured today that nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. You are brethren beloved and you are elect of God and your election is of God and nobody else has any say in the matter we're not going to do a popular vote and see what the people say whether or not you're going to keep your election or are we going to elect this person tomorrow sorry I've already been elected and nobody can overturn the judge so you are have uh, you are much assured, verse number five. If you go over to First Thessalonians chapter number three, let's look at another verse. Because we are coming into now the question that's opposed, well, what can separate? And then these two categories of forces will be addressed, natural and, and, and supernatural. First Thessalonians three, we get a great truth that ties right into what we're talking about. It says that no man 
should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. You're going to have, whether you're a minister or not, you're going to have afflictions and there's nothing you and I can do to stop it. As much as we try to order our life to avoid those things. I'm not saying don't order your life that way. What I'm saying is even with that. As part of the algorithm that we try to live by. You're still not going to avoid afflictions. None of us will. Because God tells us we are appointed unto them. So why would it be any surprise when we're reading the end of Romans chapter 8 about this glorious life in Christ? Why would it be any surprise that some Christians might think, well, I'm going through some bad times. Maybe that means God doesn't love me. Maybe that means God is pulling back his love from me because there's some affliction in my life. Well, we learned in 1 Thessalonians 3, it's going to be appointed on him. We can't tie that in connection with God's love. And this may be hard for us. It's hard for me at times because, let's face it, in work life and in business life, when something is getting stirred and, some, and there's some affliction happening, we typically correlated to, well, there's some lack of love somewhere. Love has been pulling back. Somebody's not loving somebody. We do the same thing in a marriage and in a family. Something's going on in the home. Something's going on in the marriage life. There's some affliction. There's some stirring in that. The wife feels, well, my husband doesn't love me. The husband feels, well, my wife's drawing back on her love. The kids feel, oh, well, mom doesn't love me as much as she loves and we put that together in our mind, and if we're not careful, what we do is we put it all into one pot and we, we include God in it. And what God's telling us in Romans 8, it doesn't matter the force, natural or supernatural. It's not the same as human stuff. He says, you're appointed unto it. It's not going to go away. But that is not. Get it out of your mind, he's saying, saints. That is not. Me pulling my love back from you. No matter what you go through, God's love will never separate unto you. You're appointed unto affliction, but you're also appointed unto God's inseparable love. He will keep you. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. We'll look at this a little bit later too, but Look at what it says in verse number eight. We are troubled on every side. We are perplexed. Now, if I read that verse like that, we can really get a different context. But God has some other truth in there to contrast the trouble. We are troubled, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Well, I've been in despair this month on some issues. Have you? 
if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, I can let that run my life. Instead, God says, instead of being in despair, it's okay to say I'm perplexed about this. But I run to the despair first rather than to the, you know, I'm just perplexed about this and this is the way that it is. I'm appointed under the affliction. So are you. Okay, but I'm not going to be in despair. My mind goes to, man, I'm just stressed out. All this stress has caused me to be distressed. God says, you know, why don't you just consider it? You got some trouble coming your way. But just don't be distracted. It may seem like I'm splitting hairs. Maybe I am. But I'm trying to draw out a truth that says these natural forces that are going to come to all of us, the affliction, the trouble, the perplexing, it's all part of life, saved or unsaved. We're not going to get rid of it. There's no reason to run to I'm just a I'm just a stress mess this day or this week or this month. Be perplexed. Be troubled. Just be careful of going down the road. Just the stress and all that. Kind of Look at Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse number five, and it says. For when we were come unto Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on any on every side. I don't know if you read this like I read it, or I don't know if it's because I've just been studying so much, or I don't know, maybe it's just me as a person and I need to work on it. But my first thought is, honey, we're leaving Macedonia. <laughs> Get me out of here. I'm not saying it's right to think that. I'm just telling you that's my first thought. If there's trouble in Cookville, let's get out of Cookville. Now, certainly there's some times where, okay, we need to get up and go. But that's not the topic of this discussion. The topic of this discussion is you got some trouble in Macedonia. You got some flesh. It's, it's wearing out the flesh. You have no rest. It says, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fear. He couldn't get rid of it. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And there it is. It's the but God part. You got some trouble in Macedonia? Hey, why don't you just get on your knees and pray? Trust God. Maybe maybe a Titus is coming to join Maybe a Titus is coming to join. See that? When trouble hits, it, it, don't act like, oh no, it's the end of the world. No, it's what we're appointed unto. Just pray. You're going to get some comfort. God's going to send the comfort. It might be in the form of Titus coming. Verse 7, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, 
so that I rejoice the more. You got trouble coming your way. You might be able to find some consolation within the saints that are there. God has a way above our way. And none of it has to do with him pulling back or drawing back his love because he might send somebody into your mix, into our mix. There might be somebody within your mix or our mix that will provide the comfort. But make no mistake about it. You're going to have some discomfort. Let's go back to Romans 8. We'll look at it. Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer obviously is nobody. Paul presses the point under the Holy Spirit's inspiration. Shall tribulation? The answer is no. The Bible says, in the world ye shall have, what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That means you don't have to overcome it. You know you can spend your life chasing and trying to fix all the tribulation, and you're not. And you're not. Look, I am for everybody that is serving as a conservative activist, a political activist, or a Christian activist. I'm for all of them trying to get the drag queen stories and the LGBTQ religion out of the public school. I'm for all of them. And if it comes up for me to vote in our district, I will vote for those that are trying to get that out of the public schools. I'm for it all. I know you are. But with that said, are you going to try to get the fornication out of the schools? Are you going to try to get the Bible back into the schools? Are you going to fight for all of the stuff that we should be fighting for? Or maybe, maybe, maybe I should say it as, are those things all the things that we should be fighting for? Or is it, look, it's a government entity. Of course they're going to keep it. You can't beat all those tribulations. It's coming. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Not only do they not have dress codes anymore in schools, they don't wear clothes anymore in schools. Like, is somebody going to, you know, rally around? Let's get them at least getting covered up. No. And all this stuff where we try to make life easy, it's just going to wax worse and worse. That tribulation is going to be there. What's the answer for every single one of those problems? It's the power of the gospel. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a heart being regenerated. And then they will see things different. Because anything less is we're just trying to rally enough votes to get something Past that's better than what is currently happening. 
and we try to rule the kingdoms of this world, then we can't. I'm telling you, it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. And we start chasing, trying to fix all these problems in the world and fix all this tribulation in the world. It will not be long. It's not going to happen in a day or a week or a month or a year. But it will not be long until you're mixed up, until you're mixed up in some replacement theology. Because they want to fix the world to usher in Christ. And every single cult that calls themselves a Christian cult does that. They want to fix all the tribulation. And they chase trying to fix all these problems. And God said, it's going to come. But be of good cheer. You know, it's in the news now. Well, it hasn't gotten out of it. If you haven't seen it, the shiny happy people. It's this cult that was organized by a man, Bill Gothel. And he thought he could fix every family in the world. He can fix all their tribulation. If they would just come to his seminar and listen to him speak and follow all his rigid rules. You know where that thing led? The same place all cults lead. Nowhere. We're going to get Christians involved in politics so that those Christians can now change the scope of how things are run in America and then all the tribulation is gone and we'll bring in a Christian republic it's the exact same thing John Calvin tried to do your wife went to the dance hall or the saloon on Friday night she'd, she'd get arrested Why? He wanted to legislate righteousness so that we can bring in or usher in. That's what it turned into. All of that good living in our country will now usher in Christ. That's not the way it goes. The way it goes is you and I are going to have tribulation. Don't sign up for it. Don't let your child just dive headlong into it. But you are going to have it, get used to it, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And your job and my job is to do what? Reach that soul with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm all for preaching against everybody's sins, including my own. Believe me, I need to hear it. Because everybody's individual sins causes somebody else some tribulation. You're wearing this brother out, it's causing him tribulation. This brother's wearing me out, it's causing me tribulation. I'm wearing my wife out, it's causing her tribulation. She's wearing the kids out, it's causing them tribulation. It's just the cycle. Sin, that's what sin does. Just be of good cheer. God said, I have overcome the world. And then it says distress. Of course, the answer is, is that going to separate us? No, it's not. But remember this, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. You got a pillow? 
Mr. American Christian? Do you have a pillow, Mrs. American Christian? I do. Our Lord didn't have a place to lay his head. You can choose to buy drugs or not buy drugs. You can choose to take vaccines or not take vaccines. You can buy a 30-gallon jug of powder that's supposed to have every single uh, microbiotic, anti-viral, you know, viral, every nutritional vitamin known to man in it for $30. You can buy it in America and take it. You don't have to worry about having malaria once a month. Do you? Either do I. Some do. They don't have the $30 to buy the super immune power. I know of a family that's driving to this national tournament we're going to for kids are shooting BB guns. You know, it's eight, nine hours you got to get there. And you know how it goes. You get ready for a trip, and then all of a sudden something happens. Well, the air conditioning breaks in your car. Well, they're going to make the trip without air conditioning. I'm thinking to myself, I'm a spoiled American. I want my creature comforts. <laughs> they drive nine hours in July with no air conditioning. And the Lord spoke to my heart. Missionary letter came through him, amen. And we think we're distressed. We think we have stress because we don't have air conditioning. We think that you get, somebody would call uh, child services if they came over to your house and they saw your little girl, or your little boy that's eight or 10 years old sleeping on the floor. They'd call child services on you. The mother's abusing her child. All of third world countries should be locked up in jail if that's the case. They don't have those creature comforts. They've got a dirt floor. They've got some matting. They have some makeshift softness that they're trying to create to just get some comfort in their rats because of all of the stresses that occur during the day. We read the Bible as Americans, and I don't want to do that. There's going to be stress in life. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. And, it, and, and the answer is very clearly, no, that won't separate from you. How about persecution? The Bible talks about, uh, Jesus said that servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Persecute means to pursue. This world's going to pursue you. The enemy's going to pursue you. But the enemy pursues, but Christ never forsakes he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You think persecution is going to separate you from God? No, it won't. None of these natural forces will. Next, it says famine. Paul knew what it was like to be in want. And Paul knew what it was like on how to live that way. And he says, for I have learned 
in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. He had to learn. We get to complain to ourselves if we look in the mirror or to our spouse or to our workmates or to our neighbors. We get to complain and say, you know, I really need to go on a diet. I really need to go on a diet. That's a lot better place to be than to have to make that same complaint, but it's like this. I wish I had food to eat. We get to complain we need to go on a diet because we're so rich with food. We can make it. We can order it. We don't have to grow it. We don't even have to supersize it anymore. You order item number one at Wendy's. It's got 1,500 calories in it. It'll sustain you for a day. Yet there are people who don't have enough money and they don't have enough resources to be able to purchase 1,500 calories for a day. But for $8.50, one meal, we can get it in one meal, and it can be made in five minutes. We read the Bible as Americans, because if you're like me, I have never in my life Maybe besides Sister Lois. I have never in my life, and I'm sure the same is true for you besides Sister Lois. We have never had to pray, God, please provide food. I wish I had food. I never had to knock on the neighbor's door and say, I don't have any food. Can you, can you just... Because we read the Bible as Americans. And we want to be American Christians. Because it's so easy and it's so nice. That is not the majority of the world. That lives for Christ. We're insulted. If somebody were to take a right away from us. We're insulted. Persecution. I brought something. Kelly and I were talking a week or so ago about rights and using them and all that. And I brought something for him to watch. I realized I got here. I forgot to put the DVD in the DVD case. So it just reminded me that as I'm preaching through this. But but the persecution that hits Christians is something you and I will probably never have to experience. Now maybe our kids and parents. Paul learned how to be in one. He learned what it was like to not have. Go to Acts 11. I want to show you something. 
I think you like it. There we go. Acts 11, verse number. Acts 11, verse number 28. We've got a prophet that comes here, and there stood up, Acts 11, 28, and there stood up one of them named Agabus. It signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world. Now put your finger, put your finger over the word D in that word dearth. And what does it spell? It says earth. Okay. Now, you can't really put your finger over, uh, over the R, but imagine you put your finger over the R. You might be able to, if you kind of just look at it from an angle and if you put your finger over the R, what would that spell? Death. You know what dearth is? Death on the earth. That's what it is. And that's what's happening here. There's death on the earth. It's a great dearth. A strong phrase. It's Look, this is much more than just a little famine. The, the Holy Spirit is, is using the phrase... There's a great dearth came throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the government, <laughs> no. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief. They were not relying on the government to send relief. They were not relying on this lost and dying world to send relief. They relied on each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. The disciples determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. You know what I'm thankful for? That the relief came from the saints of God. You know what I'm thankful for? That that relief coming from the saints of God ultimately came from God himself. Praise the Lord. You don't have to worry about famine, dearth, a great dearth. God's going to provide. He always has. Romans 8 is, how about nakedness? Will that do it? No, go to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. That's not going to do it either. Verse number 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. We are strong. Or, or, we are weak, but you're strong. You're honorable. We are despised. Even on this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked. It's a pretty horrible form of poverty when you don't have any clothes to wear. They're just raggedy clothes. So the best you got is some hanging limbs. You don't even have the common apparel of the day. Hebrews 11 says they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. The Bible says back in Genesis, the Lord made coats of skins and clothes them. I'm thankful for God's righteousness. I'm thankful that my sin can't be seen. I'm not naked before God anymore. I'm thankful that his love is not going to separate from me. I'm thankful that the Bible says for many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I'm thankful I'm not naked before God with my sin showing, I'm thankful that I've got Christ on. <laughs> sure, you are as well. 
you might lose some physical clothes. You might not be able to afford the latest fashion, which you probably wouldn't want to anyway. But, uh, and you know, if you buy that, you're naked anyway. I mean, you walk, but for a different time, different thought. I'm thankful I've got Christ on. All right? Thankful I've got Christ on. And it says, how about peril? Nope. You don't have to turn there. But that's not going to separate you either. Second Corinthians 11 says, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. I'm telling you, Paul had peril. Everywhere he went, he fell into peril. It did not separate him from the love of Christ. No natural force can do that. He went to the brethren, peril. He went to the lost people, peril. He went in the wilderness, peril. He's at home. Somebody robs him. It didn't matter where he went. That does not mean God doesn't love you. It means you're appointed and I'm appointed to much affliction. We're going to go through tribulation. Well, we're not talking about Israel. We'll deal with that. We get to Romans 9. But, uh, anyway, last thought. How about the sword? You know, Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And the next thing you know, here comes Judas with the multitude. You know what they have? Staves and swords. Herod the king, he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Didn't separate him from the love of Christ. In Hebrews 11 says they were stoned, they were sown asunder, they were tempted. They were also slain with the sword. Now, no matter what the religion of peace tells you, they're not the religion of peace. Islam is not a peaceful religion. But none of these things will separate you. Someone takes the sword to you. Someone takes the sword to your child. So why can you say that, preacher? It happens. Read, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read Martyr's Mirror. And you will read about accounts of people where their lives were taken to cause a crime. Do you know why they were able to go through it? Because they got a hold of Romans 8.35. And they knew nothing was going to separate them from the love of God. And I want you to know, and I want to know. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.